0: Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best tech leaders in the world to help you scale your business from 2 million to one hundred million uh, ARR. Today we have a very special guest. Uh, her name is Anne Boden, uh, the CEO of Starling Bank. Uh, and welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me. What a pleasure.
0: So we'd love to get to know more about yourself. We know that you have an amazing career uh, across very large enterprise and kind of starting up a company from the scratch in the fintech industry uh, where you have a a very good understanding is what's kind of a challenge. So how did you end up uh, starting Sterling Bank?
1: Well, I was a computer scientist that spent 30 odd years in traditional banking, working all over the world with big banks running their technology functions, operations functions and also being front office. And after 35 years, I came to the conclusion that banking was broken and the best thing to do was start a brand new bank. So I quit my job to start Starling.
0: That's, that's amazing. And, and why Starling Bank?
1: Hmm. I think that every other industry had been transformed by technology. I'm a big believer in technology and, and music had been transformed. Shopping had been transformed. But nobody had actually transformed banking. And I knew that if we took all the best technology in the world and applied it to the banking problem, we'd have a very, very powerful um, transformation of the customer experience. So that was the start of Starling. Got it, and what's your
0: dream for Starling Bank? So how how do you like to see Starling Bank in 10 years?
1: Well, we have a million customers and a billion on deposit, so we're growing very fast. Um, But I see our our future being far more international. Uh, We currently have a retail business and a a business um, supporting small businesses. Uh, We have a banking as a service proposition, basically a SaaS banking service, where we support large organizations and small organizations, banks and fintechs around the world. Um, But the next phase is to take those businesses and go across Europe. Um, so um, in the UK at the moment, but Europe, mm-hmm. here we come.
0: Absolutely. That's, that's an amazing vision. And, and let's go to some of the pillars that we always have on, on the show, namely the first one that we believe is critical to scale, which is having the right team for each stage uh, of growth. And especially for uh, scale-ups who are growing uh, such a fast pace, uh, it's, it's very difficult to uh, celebrate and, and being grateful for the ones who helped us to, to, to get where we are today and also understanding that we might need another kind of profiles to go to the next stage, to the next milestones of the business. So h- how do you work on your next version of a leadership team and how do you react to this uh, evolution of your leadership team to which to stage of growth?
1: An organization is as good as its people and, and managing the people and growing the people um, and making sure we have the right people at the right time is so important. But in banking, it, it's rather special because each one of our positions has to be um, advised and maybe approved by the regulatory authorities. So I can't decide um, that is uh, to meet somebody, to hire them and put them in position. I've also got to ask the regulator and what the regulator believes is the best person for the job um, and what um, the board think and what I think may all be different. Um, And therefore, growing a management team in the banking environment um, is is very different. Um, I read all the books I can about growing management teams and I have to adjust them and adjust my thinking to apply to the environment that we actually live in, in in a bank.
0: Absolutely, very interesting point uh, about this particular industry where uh, Starling Bank is in. And another point that we discuss a lot is really not becoming our own enemies and our the bottleneck of growth uh, and so we always discuss about our own teams, but what about ourselves? Sometimes yeah. we are our most important enemies <laughs> in achieving next and, and, and going to the next stage of our careers and of our impact. So, how do you kind of assure that you are growing quicker uh, than Starling Bank itself?
1: Yeah. I, I think I think the important thing is that um, you know I sometimes you know say, but I, I am actually Starling is growing. Um, to a level where I feel much more comfortable. You know, my career is very, very different to um, mm-hmm. a, a traditional startup founder. Um, I, I started in the early 80s and through the 80s and the 90s and, the, mm-hmm. uh, and, and subsequent years, my team's got bigger and bigger. So, you know, I've run billion pound budgets and I've had 10,000 people grow, working for me. And then I gave it all up. to be a startup founder and it was just me and one person i had to make the coffee and that was shocking being on your own without all the security blankets of 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 a structure of people of how things are done in a big organization it was one big shock and now as stalin is growing and growing um i very much hope that i at the end of this journey stalin doesn't look like a an hsbc or a barclays because mm-hmm. i think how we change and how we manage companies is very very different from what i experienced in my previous career mm-hmm. i'm very very proud that we're a engineering led tech startup culture mm-hmm. uh, and we not an old-fashioned bank
0: Right, right, and it's a very good point, understanding in what stage of growth we are in. So to give some, some extra context to, to our community, uh, so what is the ad count of Starling uh, funding rounds, the uh, stage of growth, so where are you in?
1: Um, we are about 800, 900 people. Um, uh, we are, have a million customers. Um, a billion of deposits, but still in one country, we're applying for banking licenses around the world. Um, as far as funding rounds, starting funding rounds are very different. And that's because we're a bank. Um, there's a, most startups work on the basis of you get a little team together and you develop a product and you release that, that MVP. And if customers love it, you raise a bit of money and you build a bit more and hire a few more people, and the organization grows in those stages. With a bank, it's very different. You have to get a banking license before you can actually provide services to customers. And before you can have a, um, a banking license, you have to have built out all your tech, have a product that works, have a product that's been signed off, and also have all the capital in place. So I had to raise nearly 50 million pounds before I could actually have my first customer on the platform. And therefore our funding rounds were very, very different. But um, we, um, the first two years, um, I sort of bootstrapped basically, um, mm-hmm. whilst I built all this up. And then my first seed round was for 48 million pounds. Wow. But I buy them. a seed round? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the biggest seed round in Europe, and and then we subsequently raised further finance. Um, I think we're now, you know, sort of well, probably we just done our c round, um, going into D round, uh, probably early next year.
0: Well done. And in terms of um, going to the to the next topic, so we discussed it now, team assuring that we don't become a bottleneck of growth of our own company. So the second point that I, we always love to discuss when scaling up, it's about doing the exercise of subtraction of oh, reducing yes. complexities, simplification. And we know that sometimes in this industry, uh, this can be a little bit even more challenging uh, because of, of the issues that you just shared with us which is very good in terms of context so as a ceo uh how do you assure that your team is really focused on what needs to get done, and is not distracted uh, and chasing things that don't add any bell to, to the business
1: well i must admit that particular question of doing the right things that actually add value to the business is something very close to my heart um, even in the very early days um i had a concept of feeding the machine um, it's very, very easy to spend all your time doing things that don't actually lead to the end product getting better. Um, it's very easy to spend all your time, you know, sort of, you know, sort of adding up all the expenses rather than um, actually delivering things for customers. So one day um, I got a whiteboard out and I divided it into three columns and said the first column are people who do things for customers to make the product better. And in the second column, i put all the names of the people that helped the people in the first column to make the product better. And then everybody else had left in the third column. The people in the third column weren't very happy and it wasn't very subtle of me, but um, the people in the third column got to get out of the third column and into the first and the second. And I think if you have that sort of attitude, you keep an organization vibrant, doing the right things. I also believe that you shouldn't do presentations to each other. An organization that spends all his time doing PowerPoints for each other <laughs> has lost his way. And finally, I think it's a question of looking at an organization, and ruthlessly saying, stop doing something. Why are we doing that report? Um, so pro- you can ask any CEO, going to any organization, And ask them how many reports do you get a week? And then say, how many of those reports do you actually read? (laughs) Okay. And if you don't read, you know, sort of cancel those reports, because somebody out there is spending their time preparing them and it's wasting energy in the organisation. Stop doing things you don't need, cross things out, focus on what matters.
0: And in terms of your building blocks, so the way you think, your, your, your framework of thoughts, so what are the main pillars of, of strategy? So is, is it about geos? Is it about segments? Is it about... Uh, so how do you structure your thought process in order to shift to your, your vision in the long term? So how, how do you align this short-term, mid-term and long-term? And what are the variables that you use? Mm.
1: Um, I think the important thing is to, to segment the problem. Um, And building an organization like a bank is very very complex Um, and therefore um, You have to be very focused on doing things that matter at that particular stage in your development Um, We at the moment are working on a more complex asset strategy where we're doing more complex lending where we are building up A portfolio of investable securities. Those are the things we're doing now but if I spent my time two years ago Focusing on those issues, we wouldn't have got the things done that we'd needed that particular point in time So the story of Starling was get the banking license, build out the tech build the customer base uh, And then is actually make sure that we get that customer base profitable And then as we're doing that start working on our geographic strategy one step at a time and keep people focused Going off in too many different directions is not a good idea.
0: Good, it's a very good point, and I love your matrix. Thanks for sharing it about the, the products and uh, having people helping those adding value for the products to your customers. Uh, it's a really good one. We, in, in some of the tools that we use, we use also the call phase, which is part of the book scaling up of uh, mm-hmm. burn Arnish. and accountability is a critical ingredient uh, of that. And really, I always say, just erase all the column about the functions and define what is important for you. And then ensure that every, you have someone accountable for each piece of your strategy uh, on, on that on that uh, piece of paper. So very good one. And Let's go for execution. So if we have the right team, the right people on the right uh, uh, places um, or, or seats and focus on the right things, uh, how do you make them happen? So how do you inspire execution? Nowadays, everyone in the tech industry is preaching about the importance of the dailies, the one-on-ones, the weeklies, the monthlies, the quarterlies, the annuals, uh, rhythms, at the all ends. Uh, so what are the rhythms that are special for you, that helps you to become more effective as a CEO, more inspiring, and assures that everyone is on, on the same page? Is there any particular one like executive? Um, yeah, we, we, have a, you know, we have
1: a very formal governance process here. Um, we're a regulated bank, so obviously we have a monthly board meeting, and we have um, various subcommittees reporting into the board. And those subcommittees are aligned with executive committees, For example, we have executive risk committees, um, we have the uh, bank risk committee, and the bank risk committee Mm -hmm. report to the board. But you have those regular reporting and monitoring functions. But the danger is that you let these committees be the heartbeat of the organization. Mm -hmm. The pace must be something different. Uh, We at Starling have uh, executive team meetings on a Tuesday and a, a Thursday, twice a week where we get together to talk about what's going into the organization. And those are quite informal meetings where each of us will, um, will contribute our input into a topic. Um, I think then the other regular heartbeat pace of the organization is constantly being able to deliver new function to customers. We're a very customer-focused customer focused organization. So what really matters is releasing features to customers. And therefore, um, the whole of organization gets together around that regular release of, of features. And that's far more important than the regular meeting of a governance body. Um, mm-hmm. Because one controls and monitors, and the other drives. Um, mm-hmm. We listen to customers, we respond to customers that the the regular cadence of the organization is all around those releases
0: this is very interesting. sometimes it's very complicated to convince a CEO to have a weekly rhythm with the executive committee um, and and usually we miss the strategic component of that regular meeting so usually those weekly meetings are about going through the goals or the ones who have OKRs in place, the objectives and the key results, what is in red or yellow, what we need to sow in order to move forward. And I always recommend to have a strategic discussion about the topic every single week, which would be more the strategic um, weekly rhythm. I see that you have two. So how, how do you structure mm. those? Yeah, and ideas? I think
1: the big strategic thinking for me is um, my Sunday email to the board. Um, once a month on the Sunday before the board meeting, I write a long email um, to the board awesome. uh, with all, all the issues that are going to my head, the big strategic issues. Um, what are the, what, what's the market doing? Um, how are the customers changing? Um, what is our growth looking like? And I try, try to raise it up to about four different big topics. And those are the things that are the important strategic issues of the organization that are the things I should be worrying about. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't be worrying about, you know, the, the refurbishment of a branch, some of a, of an office in, in, in a certain part of the country. I shouldn't be worrying about, um, perhaps the pay scale for a certain segment of the organization. A CEO, I need to worry about the big issues. So I try and crystallize what the four or five big issues are in the organization. It centers my mind on the right things and it positions the board for those issues when I walk into the board the following week. I also then use that email to send to my own management team about the things that I'm engaging on and the things that I need their support to get done. Um, And that is where we as an organization center on the real important things and don't get dragged into the trivia.
0: Very good point. Uh, I met with almost 900 people at at Starlink, um, assuring that your mind and your thoughts get to the entire organization. People understand the purpose, the why, the vision, uh, the short term uh, milestones is very important. And that's when manager people, politics, uh, are already uh, very present in the organization. We can have a lot of friction in the communication rhythms and the communication flows across the organization. So as the CEO, how much do you invest uh, in ensuring that everyone is on the same pace? And uh, for the ones who might be on the journeys of 150, 200 now, what they should be working on as, as CEOs to show sure that they get to the end with you <laughs> in, a, in a good shape. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I think forming that vision and having the focus on the big strategic issues and, and communicating it to the board and to the rest of the organization is important. And you have to allow your own people, your direct reports to communicate that to the rest of the organization. Mm-hmm. And they will do it with their own personalities mm-hmm. in the way that they, they connect with that vision you cannot be assured whether those thoughts get to everybody in the organization, but we are very open here. Um, everything gets discussed in Slack. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a member of, you know, a <laughs> lot of Slack channels. Um, I, I think I have a reasonably good view of what's going on. Um, but who do I know? But it's, uh, so I spent quite a lot of time in the evenings, you know, traveling home, whatever, Um, Finding out what people are saying about things in various Slack channels that give me a a sense of whether those messages are actually getting to the rest of the organization. And sometimes you have to correct, sometimes you have to change the language. Um, But isn't it exciting that we're in a world where we can convey these messages? (laughs) Um, I am in a very, very privileged position. When I started my career, we didn't have these tools. Mm -hmm. Um, Organizations weren't like this. And I'm embracing everything I can to figure out how we can run organizations in better ways. And the question about how we convey those messages um, is important, but also how we check whether those messages are landing. Uh, And we we use tools to actually um, sense check, um, test the temperature at Mm -hmm. different parts of the organization to see if all our people are feeling the same way I do. Mm-hmm. Starling's very, very important to me. I live and breathe Starling. Um, but I want to make sure that everybody in the organisation has the right relationship with the organisation and can take as much as they can and enjoy the experience.
0: It's a very interesting point and, and something that we cover uh, very few times in the show. Uh, And I was listening to you and I was observing your, first first of all, your energy and uh, world-class CEOs have high energy, so congrats congrats for that. The enthusiasm, of course, this is very natural for for founders, um, but there are a set of habits of a a growth mindset and a winning mindset. And I'm sure that during this journey at at Starling, as you were saying, also coming from a very different uh, size of companies that you've been serving, you needed to... Uh, work a lot on your own mindset and, yeah. and face very tough uh, challenges. And I imagine that you you are facing more and more difficult challenges. And this is good for the ones who are listening. It doesn't get easier. It gets more complicated <laughs> yeah. as we scale. But hopefully we are being also more capable with more people yeah. to help us uh, going through the journey. So how how do you stay... Uh, in, a, in a sane state uh, going through all this growth as, as a human being, now more the human side of, yeah. of the CEO of Starling?
1: <laughs> I think you have to enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, you shouldn't be doing it. Um, organizations, um, I think a CEO and anybody working for an organization has a relationship with that organization. And it has to be two way. You have to give a lot to the organization and you also have to take a lot. Um, the learnings I get from Starling are, are enormous. You know, I'm, and um, I get a lot, you know, it, it's the opportunity of working with the brightest people in the world on the great technology to do things in a different mm-hmm. way that actually creates a better world. Um, and that's fantastic, <laughs> um, a, and that's exciting, but it's also draining what it takes out of you to deliver Absolutely. that every day is exhausting. Um, and I take, I read a lot, I read a lot of management books, I read a lot of startup books. Um, I write, I write about um, what I feel about the industry. Uh, and that for me is, um, it's hugely energising. Um, when I read about other founders and the ups and downs, I realise that there have been near-death experiences of other organizations. (laughs) Um, I realize that. The startup world, the tech world, um, has certain patterns. And I can learn from those patterns and use them at Starling and make Starling better.
0: This is a, a very good one, and uh, kind of going a little bit more uh, out of the script here uh, because I find that this is really important, and I, I, I feel during the podcast that you were open to have this uh, conversation, which is also in, in, my, in my own job of working with CEOs and leadership teams, uh, usually they are facing a lot of pressure in terms of uh, the growth that is expected mm-hmm. from the clients, from the boards. From everyone in the company, from the the, the proper team. And it's very easy to start, um, have our energy getting trained by the problems of our uh, clients. Uh, you are also the coach of your own uh, team. And I assume that they bring uh, more and more difficult problems nowadays. We all know that we want people that bring solutions to problems, but at the same time, they also have their own very big problems that they want to have someone to talk to. And usually they will come to you. And sometimes because they believe that you might be the person that will help out solve that very big problem. But at certain, a certain point, you also Ask yourself, what hell is my life? Because every single time I have so many problems on my table. So you need to be really, really positive. So how do you ensure that you stay stable and you help and you, you don't lose your uh, grateful mindset, your winning mindset and become much more realistic, pessimistic, cynic uh, about life?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's very important to look after yourself. Um, I think that you have to be very analytical about what you're getting out of a conversation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a direct report can come in and you can have a chat. You have to be very, very um, honest with yourself for the reason for that conversation. Is it that the CEO um, is, is, is enjoying the company of one of the great team members And that's an easy conversation with the CEO and and that person is taking more and more time because he's very comfortable, it's very reassuring for both sides and it's enjoyable. Um, But should you be spending so much time in that mode? Uh, (laughs) Should you be spending more time having the difficult conversations, solving difficult problems? Now, I don't think CEOs should have a horrible day each and every day having difficult conversations (laughs) Uh, you need to actually look after yourself and you look after yourself by reflection Mm. and you look after yourself by writing writing emails to yourself about Mm. what's going on in your head and you also look after yourself by having pleasurable social experiences with the team you work at with with and those sorts of things are important. Balance is very important. I think CEOs need to be nice to themselves and not horrible to themselves all the time. Very, very good point.
0: <laughs> and what a great way of uh, bringing the last question of, of the show and also our our favorite one, which is, If you would have the opportunity to meet Anne at the beginning of uh, Starling, what advice would you offer to Anne? (laughs) Not to yourself, to to Anne at um, that time. (laughs) um,
1: If I go back to 2014 when I started Starling, um, I asked somebody, what advice would you give me? And that person said to me, never give up. Whatever happens, never give up and you'll get there. And I followed that advice. but what should I have known? What should somebody have told me? Um, I think that looking back, I spent a lot of time and effort pursuing um, initiatives and conversations that were never going to get me anywhere. Um, I wish I had that knowledge upfront, but you only get that knowledge by going through the process. Uh, I think I was very naive in the beginning. Um, But if I'd known a lot and known more, I probably wouldn't have started. So looking back, I probably had just the right amount of knowledge and just the right (laughs) amount of optimism to make Starling a success.
0: And what what a great way. Thank you so much and for making your time to share your experience with, with the community.
1: Thank you very much.
0: And to our community,
1: thanks for being on that side.
0: We are always uh, looking to hear your feedback. Just write me at mike at uh, scaleupvalley.com. And we keep here to help you scale from 2 million to 100 million ARR. See you soon and keep scaling. (music)